The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about the quantedge.com. Great fantasy sports website, DFS, betting tools, all the good stuff. They crushed the football season, jumped into basketball, crushed that as well. Now they're kicking it into baseball. They've asked me to write for them four to seven times a week doing the batter breakdown. A lot of other great, great writers over there and friends. And the most important thing I like about QuantEdge.com are the tools they have. They have an amazing lineup optimizer they keep tweaking daily to accommodate the wishes and desires of the members. They also added a, a batter pitch tool, a weather tool, an umpire tool, a Vegas tool. They keep adding more and more awesome tools to help you build the most optimized lineup you can find out there. And if you want to try it out for your first month of all the sports, for $19.99, use promo code Bubba. Or if you just want to get straight in to the baseball season, you can get $25 off the season package by using promo code Bubba. I highly recommend it. Green screens are coming in the members' Discord chat. Tons and tons of great stuff there. So go check it out. TheQuantEdge.com, $19.99, all, month, all sport, first month package for $19.99 using promo code Bubba. Or get the baseball season package, $25 off promo code Bubba. Also, go check out Thrive Fantasy. It's a fun way to play DFS. It's different. You don't have to draft players, no snake drafts, none of that stuff. It's all prop bets. It's tons and tons of fun. There's 20 prop bets. You pick 10 plus two ice picks in case your guys get scratched. Like, hey, Clayton Kershaw's on the mound tonight, over under 6.5Ks, stuff like that. Tons and tons of fun over there at Thrive Fantasy. It's in your app store under Thrive Fantasy. And if you're new to it, use promo code SPORTSDGENS when you make your first deposit. Get a free $10 into your account. Free $10. That's all you got to do. Go use promo code SPORTSDGENS, Thrive Fantasy. You know, try it without even depositing. Just go download the app. Use promo code SPORTSDGENS. Hey, maybe a free $10. Go check it out. That's Thrive Fantasy in your app store. Go check it out. Lastly, if you can give a rating review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. Um, it would help more and more people. The more ratings we get, the more reviews we get. It moves up the charts, so it's more accessible and more viewable to people that might not know about the podcast. So it would mean a lot to me if you guys could spend a couple seconds filling that out and getting it going. With all that being said, welcome to Benched with Bubba, episode 159 with Alex Fast of PitcherList.com. Talking a lot of great stuff, including his new CSW pitching metric.
welcome back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 159 gonna keep talking about some week two fantasy baseball action go over some injuries it seems like there's more and more every single day talk about some pitchers that have just put some outstanding performances out there their first start or two and maybe preview a little waiver wire action going into the week two weekend action in order to do so joined by a special guest you can find him over at pitcherlist.com on Twitter at, at AlexFast8. Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for, for having me on. I've been, you know, listening to your podcast for a while now, and I'm I'm very happy that you would lower the bar for me to come on. I appreciate that. Oh, no worries. If Justin Mason could come on my show, anybody can come on my show. <laughs> so we're all good, man. <laughs> that is very funny. Look at that, that weasel trying to get in on the show, and he wasn't even invited today. I'm telling you that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a piece of work now I, I feel bad because you know we called him in our latest episode of on the corner and i i it's like been haunting me that i didn't give him a chance to rebut uh you know like my my critic uh, his criticism of caleb smith like i just kind of like reamed him and then he didn't get to say anything so i love that man i love him very much yes justin is awesome he's done a ton for me in the industry he's done a ton for a lot of people and uh yeah, he's he's a special special guy here, and the reason we can joke with him is because he can take it and give it right back. Hundred so, uh, percent, yes, big 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 boy that can do that. So it's a he's an awesome dude. But yes, thank you for joining. I, I'm actually pumped that you're on here. Um, it's been fun. I had Nick on a month or so ago, and just mm-hmm. getting to meet all you guys. And, and as just the industry is so huge, so it's like every time I every week or so, there's two, three, four more guys I start following. There's so many awesome people out there, and. Uh, you are the latest and greatest to join this little podcast called Bench with Bubba. So thank you once again. Um, before we get started on everything, why don't you let everybody know what you guys got going on? Because you are a busy, busy group over there at Pitcher List. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so well, before I begin, I want I want to say thank you. You're you're turning kind of into that that new Justin Mason in the industry. I remember when I first kind of was getting uh, into Twitter and joining Twitter. You were you were and still are so very kind and so active and so engaged in, in having um, honest and uh, fun discourse on there. So I have to thank you for that. Um, over at Pitcherless, we're doing a lot of stuff. I mean, we're, we're trying to release as much content as possible. Um, we have a uh, daily article. Nick releases the SP Roundup every morning uh, about every pitching performance the day before. We have a batter's box article about all the best hitting performances the day before. We also have a podcast every single day called First Pitch that Nick does during the week and I do on the weekends. It's just a quick 12 to 15 minute recap of all the things that you need to know about the day before. We've got a bunch of going deep pieces. Um, recently, unfortunately, a majority of the website has been dedicated to how are you going to replace x player uh who has just been injured uh because the people have just been dropping like flies and unfortunately it continued today but yeah we're really excited about the work that we're putting out each day so you guys should just go check us out pitcherless.com yep definitely go check them out awesome stuff over there and uh more and more to come as you listen to their podcast uh on the corner and all the other great go check them out but as you mentioned Injury after injury after injury these days, unfortunately. So let's just get into it. We'll start with the one that happened last night. I was recording a different show, had the MLB tonight on in the background, and down goes Trey Turner. I literally had yeah. a moment of just pause on my episode because I could not talk watching that. Um, Turner goes down, broken finger. We don't know the timetable, guessing a month or more. Um, you can't literally replace Trey Turner, but how are you attempting to fill that roster spot? Yeah, that's that's just so difficult i mean 
I, I don't know what you're going to do to to fill that hole. I mean, I, I had the kind of same experience. I don't really have any any shares of him, but you don't even need to. He's such a fun person to watch that you're just like you want to see him, you know, stealing bases left and right. He already had four stolen bases to begin the year. Um, there's still a few names kind of out there. Like I, I was going to wait a little bit to talk about this as we were talking about the the plethora of Yankees that are injured, but like yeah. there's still some multi position guys who are on the wire like Marwin Gonzalez is probably on the wire because he's just been off to an awful awful start but he's not going to hit 197 for the rest of the year he's he's going to be okay um I don't know if this person is going to be available in leagues the only reason I uh, like he I have so many shares of him um but if a Struble Cabrera is there for you guys I think he is such a good ad right now he's off to such an amazing start in Texas. He's like hitting six in that lineup, but he already has three taters. He's hitting 333. Um, you could theoretically add Chris Taylor. That might help you because he's got that shortstop and outfield positional eligibility. Um, maybe Jorge Polanco, but it, it's 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 slim right now. It's it's really slim right now. Yeah, it's crazy to say because we were thinking back, you know, as people are previewing different positions in the, in the preseason, it's like, oh, the shortstop's so deep. It's so deep. And then you start realizing okay, it's deep until you have to replace Trey Turner. Now it's not so deep. Um, yeah. I agree on the Azubel Cabrera take. I think he's an outstanding option if he's there. Uh, Polanco's a, a big fan of his. And then one other one that uh, might be available, it's, it's just hard to tell based on leagues, is uh, Cattell Marte, who's off to a hot start there in Arizona. Stole a sure. couple bags already, went deep, uh, I believe it was yesterday, uh, last night. Yeah. So another guy we could take a look at. But, yeah, it's going to be really tough. And the hardest part is, like, we could chit-chat a second on it is, You've drafted Trey Turner in the first round, so that already stinks. You drafted yeah. Trey Turner because you expected a boatload of stolen bases, so likely you didn't fill that spot later in your draft. Do yeah. you just say, screw it, I'm punting the, the, this category now, or are you trying to trade one of your big assets and maybe getting another big steals guy to get a couple in-between steals guys? How would you approach that? Oh, man, you know, it, it's tough because a majority of the guys you're going to be able to find in the waiver wire who would be able to provide you with some steals are just going to absolutely destroy your batting average. Um, like Adam Angle could theoretically steal over 20 bases at the end of the year, but he's going to hit like 220. Um, uh, what's his name? Craig Allen over in uh, Cleveland, Cleveland, like... Yeah, what's going to happen with him? He's just not going to hit, but he's going to get you a few stolen bases. Maybe, maybe you could like ride the Colton Wong train for a little while until it completely falls off the tracks because he's off to. He's still, I think he's hitting like literally 500 in the first five or six uh, games, and he's already got two stolen bases. So maybe he's going a little bit. But other than that, like if you just take a look at the stolen base leaderboard right now, every single guy in the top like 30 is 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 gone maybe you could take austin meadows uh i know that he's leading off in tampa he's kind of an interesting choice but to answer your question i think you kind of have to just say you know what i'm probably not going to win stolen bases each week to me that's such a volatile category to begin with you know what i mean it's such a difficult thing to chase because you never know what's going to happen no 100 percent. that's why you know going back to preseason again is it was you have the philosophy? Do you go for the rabbit type and Trey Turner's a little more than a rabbit, obviously? But you, do you go for that 100% steal guy, or do you just spread it out through your draft? And I've always been a fan of spreading it out through my draft for this reason alone. Uh, you you can't predict injuries, but if you lose a guy like this, you're pretty much screwed. And yeah, uh, it makes it very difficult. You I actually have a question for you. Oh, sorry, I, I had a question for you about this. Um, so yeah, as you said, he's likely out for at least a month. 
I was thinking about what happens when he returns and what that's going to mean for his base running aggressiveness. Um, Obviously, a a broken finger is not going to make him less of a speedy human being. But if you think about how he slides and whether, you know, a lot of people either break their finger or jam their finger sliding into a base. I wouldn't. Do you think maybe he's going to be a little bit more reticent to to steal, considering that finger could be a little sore and he's like in his head about it? Oh, 100%. That's one of the uh, – that was a concern I had uh, earlier today is are we going to see him out there in one of those, you know, oven mitt things those guys are wearing now when they're sliding yeah. out those crab gloves? Or yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. that's got to be a 100% possibility. Um, you, you have to imagine there's going to be a lot of training in the next, like, three or four weeks once he starts running around a lot more to slide feet first. But yeah. you can't do anything about that when you're diving back into first very tough. So I'm with you 100%. You have to wonder how that's going to affect things if, like – is he going to be leading off of, you know, maybe a step shorter at first so he's not getting thrown over as much? Well, there goes mm-hmm. his, you know, jump to first, second base. It's, yeah. it's a great point to make that we have to think about because it has to be in the back of his head at the same time. They have to treat it probably like any other injury, like a, a torn ACL is that initial issue is going to be in your head until you pass that test. Then you'll be able to just roll with it. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I always uh, 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 you brought up the the crab glove. I always wondered why guys like Billy Hamilton didn't spot like pair up with Hamburger Helper, who has that weird like anthropomorphic glove. Yeah, that would and, have been outstanding. Uh, <laughs> that would have been amazing, right? Well, the problem is, is Hamburger Helper would want to sponsor me. He's not on base enough to pay it off. That's, that's the <laughs> yeah, they could say he's yeah. never on base because he's always eating Hamburger Helper. There you go. See, kids, eat turkey helper or tuna helper because you might get on base more. But, uh, yes, looking Billy Hamilton, I tell you what, that's a whole other story for another podcast. Speaking yeah. of the Royals, let's just, let's just sidetrack it. What's your thoughts on Alberto Mondesi and, like, extra base hit after extra base hit? It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, that that inside the park home run, I think you have to credit to Byron Buxton last night more than you do to Adalberto Mondesi. I just really didn't know what he was doing the out there in you, center field. The wall field. usually wins. The wall usually wins. <laughs> it does. I know you bulked up in the off season, but like <laughs> you're not going to break through a wall, dude. Like nice yeah. try. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's it's exciting. I mean, uh, if he if this continues, you got to figure the Royals are like, okay, who else is around you in the lineup right now? No one. All right, we'll just you know pitch around you. You'd think so. It's pretty crazy watching that start. Uh, but yeah, Trey Turner lost and uh, hopefully not forgotten, but uh, it's going to be a rough one there. Uh, let's talk Francisco Lindor, another shortstop who re-injured or injured his ankle while he was rehabbing his calf. Yeah, we can see how that happened. But now he's uh, out until at least the end of April, most likely. And yeah. there's got to be concerns about him running. What's your thoughts on like, what, what do you expect out of him when he comes back? Because my expectations keep dropping. Yeah, uh, mine do as well. Um, that, uh, man, you can also see how how much that organization is in trouble without him uh, leading off in that lineup. I mean, you, I, I guess you just have to figure he's not going to steal 15 bases anymore. I mean, he was projected to steal anywhere from between 15 to 20, and I just don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. Um, and I don't know if, like, I don't necessarily think a majority of your power is necessarily coming from your calf or your ankle, but I just have difficulty seeing a world in which he's also going to hit 25 home runs again. So if we're talking all of a sudden about Francisco Lindor, you know, hitting 18 home runs and maybe getting 10 or 11 stolen bases while still batting 280, it just, it, it it's not great. It's not great. If you're, um, if you're a team that's kind of in behind so far, you know, it's a week into the season, so we shouldn't be in panic mode, but do you try sure. to buy him on the cheap right now? 
Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think it really depends on on what your team is looking like. Me personally, no, I don't. I I just think there's too much volatility there involved. We don't know if he's necessarily going to be back at the end of April. It's just, you know, and I don't necessarily know what you would have to trade to kind of get him. So me personally, no, I'm kind of, um, I'm staying away from him. And I'm also just kind of hoping that the rest of that offense comes alive. Their, Their slash line right now is, 164, 254, 230. That's I, I was, insane. I, I was laughing. I looked at it a day or two ago. They are worse than my Giants, and I thought that wouldn't be possible. That was amazing <laughs> to me, seeing that slash line. Like, the Giants well, scored, like, next to nothing offensively, and somehow the Indians are worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that is – I think I found out last night – I think this is still true. Yes, it is. As of right now – Zach Greinke has more home runs than the entire Indians uh, roster. No, Hanley Ramirez tied him today. Hanley oh, he Ramirez did tie him today. He's got the only home runs on the roster, which I still cannot stop laughing about. Hanley <laughs> Ramirez. That's so great. Hanley Ramirez, Zach Greinke confirmed for the home run derby. There yep. we go. Yep, yep. Both, you know, one's a DH, one's a pitcher. Let the arguments begin. Um, <laughs> so, so much fun. But, uh Let's talk about another aging veteran. The Daniel Murphy, Colorado Rockies, broke the tip of his finger. And this sounds nasty. It's something with his mallet, tendon, something. I, I'm not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express. I do not know how to explain this one. But it doesn't sound good when your tendon gets damaged. Um, no. Luckily, he's a first baseman. Luckily, he's just a pure base hitter with a little bit of power. But this is bleak. The big question is, what do you do with all these pieces in Colorado that they don't know how to use properly? All these pizzas? P- pieces. Oh, I was like, is there like a... There should be pizzas. They really should be because with all the the legalization of marijuana in Colorado, there's probably going to be an excess (laughs) need of of pizza there. My my head went to like there was a promotion where if they scored six runs, everyone got a pizza because they do that with Taco Bell. They'd be going out of business there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of panic going on about the Rockies right now. And it's, I mean, it's certainly justifiable, but like, let's not forget that they are not necessarily the exact same team on the road. Um, Had they started at home, I don't think we would be panicking as much. They're also another team, by the way, that I think is tied with Zach Ranke for for home runs. I think they only have um, one, one if not two, maybe today. No, I don't think they hit one today against Charlie Morton. So then I think... Chris, Chris, I ended it. Did. He walked in like the 11th or 12th inning. That was their only run. Oh, he did. That was their only run. Okay. So now they also have joined yeah. Zach Ranke. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be, it, it, it is, it's absolutely insane that you figure Nolan Arenado or Trevor story would be hitting two or three by now. The th- Daniel Murphy, that injury was so frustrating because I was defending him all off season. Cause I had a few shares of him because it's like, I'm just not worried about the knee. He's playing first base. How is he going to get injured playing first base? Well, I guess he figured out a a way to do that. Maybe you watched that movie Glass with Samuel L. Jackson, and he was like, that's my guy. That's the guy I want to be. I want to be that dude. Uh, I think they'll be better once they get better. Yeah, I do. Go on. (laughs) Well, no, I was going to make a comparison. Talking about Glass, you got Troy Tulowitzki, but that's a whole other story. Um, What are the Rockies going to do with, like, Hampson and McMahon and Tapia and all that stuff? Well, Tapia, it's just like, I don't know what he did to that organization that they're just really not willing to give him like prolonged looks, but I don't I, I, like, did he hurt someone? Did it, did he like wrong someone in the organization? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think they're just going to keep rushing him out there. I mean, listen, the, the top of their order is still insane. Like Blackman doll Arenado's story is still fantastic. 
I think once that kind of starts, um, you know, picking up steam a little bit, then we won't see McMahon and Hampson pressing as much and, and they're going to be fine moving forward. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping we get to finally see that all transform there because right now it's it's a mess. Like when uh, when they're starting Mark Reynolds out there, it's not good. But uh, oh, let, I loved him. Go, yeah, let's go to those New York Yankees. I know it's a team you like so, so much. Yeah. Um, Aaron Hicks not even doing baseball activities at the moment. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Stanton goes down with his injury. Miguel Andohar might be out for the entire season. And then Troy mm-hmm. Tulowitzki gets hurt today. So we have a smorgasbord of things to talk about here. Oh, and Luis Severino hasn't started throwing off a mound yet. So yeah. it gets just more and more intriguing there. But we'll start with the outfield. Hicks, Stanton, Dunn are not done, but out for now. Um, Frazier gets the call up. Clint Frazier finally gets some action there. They got Toshman. Um, there's a good chance Hicks is out for a lot longer. Stanton's not going to be back for a while. I have to wonder how he's going to be when he's back. But for now, what's your thoughts on Frazier and Toshman in the outfield? Um. Okay, so Toshman or Talkman or however you pronounce it, I mean, he, he's still a guy we're kind of waiting to see um, whether he's going to be able to take some of the success he had in the minors and bring it to to the bigs. I When they originally signed him, my two thoughts was like, okay, maybe they think Hicks is going to be out for longer. But then I also thought, okay, he's a nice defensive replacement. Uh, I know he had like a double for an RBI. I think it was a double for an RBI last night, and that's encouraging. But I, I'm just not expecting a lot out of him offensively. Clint Frazier, I'm I'm very excited about. Like, I was actually very sad that he kind of missed the entirety of last year with these concussion-like symptoms because I thought he was, you know, kind of showing the upside uh, that, you know, we, we know that he has. I mean, he was hitting like 265, which isn't like fantastic, but it isn't terrible. He's off to, uh, you know, I think he's only played two games now. Um, I think, I believe he was in the lineup today. Yeah. He just had one walk with uh two K's. I think he's going to pull it together. There isn't a lot of pressure on him because he's still hitting eighth in that lineup. I think this, all of this stuff is a good sign for DJ LeMahieu owners. This was the first guy I went out and got, um, as soon as, uh, Andujar, you know, we knew he was going to be out for a while. I had a Struble Cabrera in a particular league. So I just slotted him over and picked up DJ LeMahieu. He's off to a hot start and he's kind of showing that, you know, with his elite contact stills, skills, it's not necessarily just cores where he's going to have success. I, I think he could be a pretty serviceable guy for you to kind of wait until some of these other dudes get healthy. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, LeMahieu called quite a bit and Frazier as well. You know, big time prospect forever had those issues last year, like you said. So he, we finally get to see him come out and do his thing. Um, Tulo goes down today. Who knows how long he's out there with a calf injury, but that's too low for you. Um, lastly, yeah. on there, the, the Luis Severino part, because we talked about Stanton mm-hmm. in my last episode, and that'll just be Stanton's back. He'll slide in, and hopefully he's healthy. But uh, Severino, not thrown off a mound yet. We kind of thought he'd be back sometime in May. Um, what's your level of maybe concern or thoughts on Severino right now? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really concerned. I mean, like – everyone was excited about kind of the, the way that he was able to, you know, string together some starts at the end of last season. He ended pretty strongly. I just don't, I, I, I've never really been a huge fan because I, I, there's just so, I keep saying this word over and over again, but it's kind of pertinent to the people that we keep talking about. There's just so much volatility there with him. Um, and I understand that he was falling a lot in drafts because of this injury, but it's not like when he comes back, you're getting a guy who you know is going to be a stud every time he hits the mound. Um, and this this injury just kind of exacerbates that situation for me. So I and to me personally, we'll probably talk about some of these other guys later. There are so many other guys that are 
delivering for you right now that people wouldn't necessarily think of like Pablo Lopez, like Chris Paddock, like, are those guys going to be better than Luis Severino over the course of the year? A hundred percent. No, that's, I'm not saying that at all, but I just think like there, there are other aces that I'm a little bit more interested in than, than Severino for me personally. Similar to the question I had with Larry uh, Lindor, do you have any interest of trying to get Severino on the cheap? No, I mean, I'll stick to my guns and just like, he's just not a guy I'm interested in having. There's so many fun uh, guys right now, like on the, like, and once again, I don't want to give people the impression that I'm thinking like, I'll just take anyone off the waiver wire instead of Luis Severino. You probably already have at least one ace on your staff. There are other guys who we're seeing great things from that you should probably be able to invest in who are probably going to be a little bit safer for you. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, I'm not a fan of taking pitchers that are already hurt. Um, yeah. Last last bit of inform, uh, news here. Kevin Pillar was traded to my Giants because the Giants are just can't rip the Band-Aid off. They just can't do it. Um, they, they got rid of a few young pieces, which they, they had to get rid of, unfortunately. So it works out in that respect. Pillar's cheap. He's arbitration next year. So on and so forth. Moral of the story here. Kevin Pillar, is he fantasy relevant at all? I'll just make it quick and say no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the right answer. Um, yeah. Then, but the on the flip side, in Toronto, it opened up the door for Anthony Alford, a prospect that uh, had a pretty good spring. Is there any interest in an Anthony Alford type? Um, Probably not as well, not at least until he has a little bit more around him. Like maybe later on in the year, like – excuse me, like June or July when Vlad and maybe Bo Bichette are up and he gets, a, you know, uh, that could be a little bit more of an interesting ad. But, you know, they traded away Kendris Morales. So right now their 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 lineup is just kind of like, it, it's it's brutal. It's just not really good right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Now, the uh, we're going to go to the portion of the podcast that I, I like to use kind of what people have been talking about uh, on Twitter or through other deals. And one thing you do every single day is you do the top CSW guys of the day. Uh, can you explain to everybody what CSW stands for and how do you use this stat when evaluating pitchers you might be looking to add or trade for? Yeah, great. Um, so CSW is a metric that was created by Nick Pollock, who's the founder of PitcherList. It stands for uh, like – called strikes plus whiffs. So CSW rate is the called strikes plus the amount of whiffs over total pitches that any particular pitcher got in that particular outing. It's a metric that he kind of brought to fruition last year. Um, I always want to um, provide a caveat whenever we talk about a metric that like, just because there's this kind of like a new fun and exciting metric. And we do think it's exciting and fun and has a, a nice purpose. It's not like an end all be all like CSW rate is meant to be viewed with any other uh, pitching statistic like K percentage um, or, or, or FIP or K per nine. And as we kind of um, gather more data over the course of the year, I'm excited to see which one of these in particular correlates to. Um, but as you said, yeah, I've been, I've been tweeting it out every morning Um the scale kind of goes between like really 25 and 40% with 25 and below being really poor, 25 to 30 being okay, 30 to 35 being good, and anything above 35 being particularly uh, elite. It's a good way for you to see what kind of stuff a particular pitcher has. Um, we'll probably talk about him a little bit, but like Chris Paddock, I think is absolutely fantastic. I, I loved watching him in spring training. I love where he places the ball. I love his command. I love his fastball, his changeup. He had a 27.8 uh, CSW rate. 
which is is not fantastic. That does not mean that Chris Paddock is a bad pitcher. That does not mean you should be interested in owning him. It just means that in his first start, he didn't really have a lot of swing and miss stuff. And like I said about context a little bit earlier, it's good to see Derek Holland's a great example. Um, he gave up a few earned runs, but he actually had an above average CSW rate in his first start. So it kind of gives you a good sense of like, okay, maybe he got a little bit unlucky here. He was missing a lot of bats. He wasn't missing a lot of bats. It's just another good tool to have in your back pocket when you're trying to evaluate pitchers. No, I, I like it a lot because you hear people talk about whiff rate. They talk about, you know, like the same swing strike rate, but whiff rate, swing strike rate, K for nine, all these different avenues that people try to use to evaluate pitching. I think this sums up, like you said, you're going to see where it sits at the end of the season. I think it's a really good tool to kind of, it it sounds kind of lazy for me to say it because I'm not a pitching guru like you guys are, but it sounds like a way to say like, how was this guy's stuff last night? Because if he's like schooling guys or he's he's making it work, and if a guy's stuff is good consistently, this is common sense to me that that means he's probably doing pretty darn good. It's just something to look at. So I, I think this stat can be pretty interesting. Thanks. And, you know, I'm going to give you a small little exclusive right now that I haven't actually told anyone yet that I'm going to do. Um, Ooh, so yeah, very go. nice. Very nice. Uh, I'm not wearing pants. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I am wearing pants. Um, that is not the... anything less for a bench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So starting tomorrow, I've been keeping track. I have a big spreadsheet of everyone's CSW rate, and I'm going to be posting not only the league average as it fluctuates each day, but I'm also going to start posting who in the top 10 how they differentiated from their last start as well with like a little green up arrow or red down arrow to be like, yes, uh, you know, Matthew Boyd had a 35% CSW rate, but in his last start, he had a 40% CSW rate. So it actually went down. And then over the course of the year, what I really want to do is start bringing in other offenses into the context. Uh, So, you know, not only is it what is Matt Shoemaker doing, but what are what is the average CSW rate against the Baltimore Orioles? I like that a lot. That's what I was going to ask next is how do you compare it? Like, because we know teams that, you know, have a good strikeout rate versus lefties or righties or this, that, the other. So. That'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. And then a fun a fun correlation could be, you know, because this is kind of a new statistical area. And that ACEs metric that Eno Sarah's worked on is mm-hmm. also kind of a new one. That's kind of a stuff thing also. It'd be kind totally. of cool to see how those kind of correlate together because I, I was kind of engulfed in that ACEs metric over the, the offseason. And, and this one, like I said, every day I, I go back to your Twitter account and look for this to be like, okay, I need to keep an eye on these guys to see how well they, they, they are and how they're doing. I think it's, it's going to be really interesting when we put that spreadsheet together like that to see the correlations. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be really, really cool to see how that all pans out. Thanks. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to doing it. Let's talk about some of these pitchers that uh, just kind of skimmed over the last four or five days of you doing it that, that were in the, on the top of the leaderboard for the day. And they're kind of also intriguing names for either waiver wires or people drafted them late as a flyer because of the hype train or all kinds of different things. But we'll start with Julio Urias, the young stud for the – the uh, Dodgers who shut down the Giants, you know, which most teams should shut down a triple-A lineup. But this kid's really, really <laughs> good. And he, he hadn't made a start in over 640 days because of his injuries. And um, he's going to be limited this year. But what's your thoughts on Urias for the rest of the season? Because we know this stuff's this good, but with the limitations of innings, is he worth, you know, grabbing and holding? Or what are you doing with a guy like Urias? 
Um, a majority of these answers are obviously going to be dependent upon what your, your your roster is looking like. But I have to say that any Dodger pitcher who is not Walker Bueller essentially is such a frustrating own. Um, they already came out and said that once Kershaw comes back, that Urias is going back to the bullpen. Um, and like in, in a in a roto league, I, it doesn't matter. That's totally fine to me. He's still going to get plenty of starts. He's going to accrue plenty of statistics. But if you're in a weekly league, then you just have to leave Julio Urias on your bench uh, and you know maybe hope that he's going to get two or three innings in long relief over the course of the season. Um, he's he's not going to be like uh, Kenta Maeda last year, and that I don't think that they're going to give him save opportunities because that was because Kenley Jansen was having heart issues, and that's not going to happen this year. So now you're kind of stuck between this rock and a hard place, and it's such a shame because, as you said, the, the skills are there. I mean that that first start was so much fun to watch, and we've just been dealing with this for for so many years with them. You never want to root for an injury, obviously, but that to me is the only way that he's going to they're going to say like, okay, you're our number four guy for the next two months. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, like you said, he's going back to the bullpen right away, which I'm okay with because the way I'm looking at him is, well, I'm not okay. I'd rather pitch all year, but I'm okay with it because he feels like this year's Walker Bueller for them where the mm. hype trains there. Walker, you know, he, just, he started a little bit early, bullpen a little bit, went to AAA for a little bit. They kind of toyed with him. But then when it mattered most the last month and a half, two months of the season and the postseason, Walker was the beast, and he was a a, a fantasy darling. And I, 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 I might be out thinking this one, but I think Urias could be that kind of guy because, like you said, you know Dodger pitchers, they're going to have phantom DL stints. There's, gonna, there's a lot of injury-prone pitchers there. It, it's really interesting to see how that plays out. But this Urias kid, he's so, so good and so, so young still. But I think he's an interesting guy that, like you said, Roto League, you can still play with it and see how it works. If, if you don't own him now, I'd at least – you know, have him on your watch list or something, because I think he's going to have an opportunity to have a really good run at some point this season. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. All right. He had a 36.4% CSW, which is outstanding. Let's yeah. talk um, Caleb Smith, one of the young studs in Miami. Where the, so we talked about enough how the Marlins did it, the right thing there with their young pitchers. But he had a 34.5% CSW in his first start. He struck out the world. Uh, what's your thoughts on Caleb Smith? Is this a, a thing that's going to continue on? Yeah, you know, I, I've been on the Caleb Smith train uh, for, for almost two years now. Um, I, I kind of got into these weird, like, Twitter conversations with Tristan Cockroft last year because he was saying, yeah, he's gonna he's good, his slider's good, but he's going to fall back to earth because his fastball's so bad. Um, and I, I personally believe that he kind of righted the ship with his fastball last year. We started to see some some increased command from him. And at the same time, we were seeing him have games where he would strike out 10 and then he would strike out 12. Um so I was really, really excited. We had a, a Mason on uh, a few weeks ago, Nick and I, for On the Corner, and we were talking about ranking Pablo Lopez, Caleb Smith, and Trevor Richards. Uh, I think we all agreed that Richards was third for us um, with, I both I believe, Nick uh, choosing Pablo Lopez and Justin choosing Pablo Lopez. And I, I, I love Pablo Lopez, and I'm really excited to watch him work, and he definitely has the fuller, richer arsenal, but I just had to go with Caleb Smith and this, I feel a little bit, uh, you know, um, vindicated, not, yeah, vindicated, I don't know, I feel uh, correct, I guess is the right word, because of his his last start, he just looked so good, and the biggest takeaway for me was the nine swinging strikes on his fastball. That's what you want to see. We know he's going to be able to get swing and misses on his slider, because that slider is fantastic, but when he's able to get nine swinging strikes on his fastball, then, you know, uh, you, you have to get a little bit more excited about him. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Caleb Smith. I liked him a lot last year. He was leading the world in K for nine and striking out everybody, and then he got hurt and missed the last couple months of the season. So I think mm-hmm. people kind of, you know, they were all in love with him. They forgot about him. And then Pablo's, Pablo Lopez was this new shiny toy in spring training yeah. that kind of came out of nowhere. And Caleb Smith, to me, just kept kind of sliding under the radar. Like, like Richards is still really, really good. I have nothing wrong with him. He's just kind of that guy that he's going to go out there, he's going to put his innings in, he's going to, you know, give you some quality starts here and there and be pretty good. But I think Smith has that, that chance to be really, really good, like you're saying. So I'm with you. Um, now now you have a tie two to two, so find the, the fifth <laughs> tiebreaker there. And if Mason's got a problem, he's two hours away. We can talk about it. But um, let's go on to a New York Yankee, one of the ones that's not injured right now. His name is Domingo Herman, And everybody likes his stuff, five innings, seven Ks, but five walks in his first start. Um, and he's also, you know, subject to change when a, one of the starters comes back. But what's your thoughts on Domingo Herman? Because it's between him and Johnny Lasagna. But look, Herman got the first start. Yeah. Um, well, w- one last thing. I didn't want to cut you off about Caleb Smith. The one thing that Mason didn't like uh, and that we're going to learn some more answers on is he doesn't like what he does on the road. He thinks he gives up a lot of taters on the road and that that home park helps him a lot. His next start on C- is in Cincinnati. I think we have an over-under at one and a half about how many home runs he's going to give up there. What do you think on that over-under? Oh, well, the Cincinnati offense looks dreadful like right now. Yeah. It's, it's really, really bad. But uh I'll be kind and I'll say the over, but I'll put a caveat that he's going to strike out at least eight. Oh, love it. So it'll, love still be, it. it'll still be, it'll still be, a, it'll still be a good start. Like, that's how I look at it with these kids in the era we live in. He's going to do what we want him to do. We might have a little blip on the radar, but you know, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Sorry. So to, to return to Domingo Herman. Yeah. I mean, I was a little bit shocked to see that he had this essentially 33% CSW rate considering the five walks that he had. I also think that a better offense or an offense in the middle of the summer when it's not freezing out and it doesn't hurt your hands to, to make contact with the ball is going to be able to punish him a little bit more on those five walks uh, and take advantage of that. I mean, from this one start alone, uh, he had a 111 BABIP, which is hilarious. Now, that to me is, is a joke. You can't really look at BABIP over one start. You can't really look at anything over one start. But the if you would have just walked two or three even, I would have been like, okay, I'm interested. He's going to get his opportunities with Severino down. They've shown that they're interested in him, you know, over Johnny Lasagna, as you said, and Luis Sessa. Um, so I, I want to see what he does in his next start, if he can get those walks down. This is a guy who over essentially 85 innings last year had a three and a half walk per nine. Uh, and he's kind of always been known for that. So to me, we're still kind of waiting to see. There are other guys I'm a little bit more interested in picking up, uh, and we'll see how he does in his next outing. Yeah, he's kind of one of those curious ones to me. Some guys are really hyped up on him, but I, I like what he does. But it seems like this list that we're going to talk about is a lot of young, hyped-up guys, and there's a yeah. lot more I'd like to take a chance on than uh, Domingo. Um, like this next guy, I'm just curious about him because I thought I, – I know the Red Sox were struggling in Oakland – and I know the Oakland starting rotation has like six or seven straight starts with an ERA combined of like 0.3 the starters. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. Like Mike Fires has like two shutouts, uh, like six inning <laughs> shutout performances in there. It, it's banana lands out here in Oakland. But um, Aaron Brooks, six, uh, six innings and uh, really got the job done there against Boston, striking out six, um, two hits, no runs, only one walk. He had a, a, a CSW of 30.2. Was this mm-hmm. just one of those, like, we have no answer for this kind of unicorn performances? Or do we? is there more about Aaron Brooks we need to know? Um, the, 
There is more that you need to know, and I think the more that people need to know is that there were 20 foul balls hit off of him with a total of 12 balls put in play. Now, of those 12 balls put in play, just two of them were hits, and he left the game with no earned runs. That's just not going to happen anymore. You know what I mean? Um, maybe maybe he can continue to have success in Oakland because it's so big and so vast, and you can uh, you know there's a lot of foul territory, um, and so maybe those fouls are going to turn into outs a little bit easier, but I really do think that he was kind of just taking advantage of a Red Sox offense that is just, man, it is, it is brutal to watch. I even, I, I, I even felt bad last night for Xander Bogarts just getting, you know, uh, tossed out by Ramon Laureano again. Uh, back to back to watch. Just hosed. <laughs> oh my God. That <laughs> arm is insane. It's, uh, I'm not gonna, I, I don't want to compare guys to Vladimir Guerrero, but, uh, mm. he's, he's throwing it without bounces. I'm just going to put it that way. It's like, usually you see a guy, he'll throw it on a laser, but it'll bounce two or three times. No, this is sure. just, boom, it's going. And it was, like, it was oh, amazing. Boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, really, really impressive stuff there. Let's talk about uh, Chris Archer. This is a sure. volatile person that many people either love or hate. Five shutout innings, three walks, eight Ks in his first start of the year. Um, the pitch mix was a little different, and I know that made yep. Alex Chamberlain very happy. Um, mm-hmm. do you think Chris Archer, I know it's one start and we're, this is just pure speculation, but is this something we can maybe say he fixed in the off season? We should be jumping back in on him. Oh man. <laughs> I, I am so hesitant to say yes. I want to put you on the, on the hot stove here. It's okay. It's okay. I'm okay. Here's my thoughts about Chris Archer. The the slider in that game was unbelievable. Like it was just so much fun to watch. And he's a fun guy to watch because he's, you know, he's jazzed. He kind of like bounds off the mound every time he gets a K. The the red flags that I saw were 18 changeups with zero swinging strikes. Okay. Not one whiff on his changeup with 30 fastballs and just two whiffs. So I I understand that people want to get excited. I understand that the slider looked good. I understand that he did it against a very good Cardinals um, offense. I think he struck out Goldschmidt twice, if I recall correctly. And and that's exciting. And that's fun. That's great. Yeah. Especially considering he was just intentionally walked in the game before that. But if I looked at this and I saw like even four or five whiffs on his changeup, then I'd be like, okay, we're, we're, we're in for it. But I, I just don't know if, if considering his track record, I can endorse him a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. We saw improvements from him in his first start and then Marcus Stroman's put together two pretty good starts. Who would you rather have if you had to pick one? Oh, a hundred percent Chris Archer. Okay. Now just from a fun perspective, because you mentioned Archer shimmying around, Stroman likes to shimmy around. Who would you want to go party with and play some softball or something with? Uh, I definitely Archer because I saw that photo of Stroman, what he did to that dog's ears. He has that pit bull's ears that he cropped and I would just oh, not be happy not, to hang I, out with him. I did not see that. Oh man. No, I got to go check this out. Yeah. That's not good. Not cool. I know it's, it's not cool. I was like, come, you just can't do that. Are you, are you a dog guy as well? Huge dog guy. Um, usually when we're on video here over my left shoulder is my lab. I had for 12 years. I had that passed away last year. So he oh, he, sorry. he was he was like no he's fine but he was he did, he was in my room for every podcast I've ever done so I, he stays in the room for every podcast <laughs> I do um, but uh, yeah we have, still have two dogs at the house I, I love my dogs so yes it's uh, 
big, big dog person. Good. But, so am uh, I. I know that's why we get along. Yeah, do not apologize. There's nothing wrong with that. It happens with the old age. It was tough at first, but we are all good. Talking good. about all good, Corbin Burns. My mm-hmm. goodness. Um, yeah. This was what you. This is what you call a young pitcher that enjoys the three true outcomes of baseball. He gives up a few <laughs> long balls and strikes out everybody under the sun. Um, he had a CSW of 42.5. That is yeah. insane. Um, what are we thinking on Corbin Burns? Yeah, he, he led the entire opening weekend in terms of CSW rate. Um, and I'll just keep harping on it. You know what I mean? CSW rate exists should exist within context with other statistics. The other statistic that you should keep in mind with Corbin Burns is that while he did lead the league in CSW rate at the end of the first week, he also led the league in barreled balls allowed at four uh, because those home runs were just jacked. Um, I I know Nick was really, really excited about Corbin Burns and, and people should be. His cut fastball is, is, it's amazing. Like it just kind of comes in and rides in right in the hands of right-handed hitters and then just dives in at the last second. And it's super fun to watch. There's a few red flags for me personally. One, what's going to happen when people pick up on that uh, is that he also, uh, Corbin Burns also leads the league in barreled balls allowed, um, which is not great. He gave up four barrels. Um, three of those home runs uh, that were hit off him were, were smoked. I mean, they were absolutely smoked. Um, so that was a little bit of a red flag for me. The, the fastball was amazing. I mean, Nick brought this up in his SP roundup, and I, I couldn't agree more with him. It had so much more movement on it than we anticipated. It was fooling batters left and right. It looks like it's coming right for you, and it just comes right back into the zone in the last second. There are two things that I'm concerned about, though. A, what happens when batters start picking up on it a little bit more, and B, what happens when he starts getting through the second and third time through the lineup and the third time through the lineup, that's when he started getting hit really hard. They don't really have the luxury of a really, really deep bullpen because of all their injuries. The brewers don't. So I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen with Burns the second or third time through. And who knows what's going to happen? Maybe they decide, all right, we only want him going for three or four innings. But to me, I'm not like, I'm not ready to be like, yeah, I'm all in on Corbin Burns quite yet. Yeah, I'm with you. It's interesting. If you if you had to look at Burns, Peralta, and and uh, Woodf- or Woodruff in that that pen, how do you look at those three? Oh, that is man. That's such a really good question. Um, so Nick has a term called cherry bomb, which is like a pitcher that is super sweet but can absolutely blow up in your face at any given moment. Um, and I think that Freddie Peralta is certainly one of them. Uh, he was amazing today uh that Luis Castillo uh Freddie Peralta game today was fantastic um he I think he ended the day with a third he had a 36 percent CSW rate today um he had a combined 27 swinging strikes and called strikes off his fastball because his fastball is fantastic and he has so much deception and he's fun to watch but we also saw a start at the beginning of the year where he got like rocked in the first inning I think in terms of repeatability and in terms of upside, I think I would still go Burns, even though I'm a little bit scared about his floor. I don't think it's necessarily lower than um, than Freddie Peralta's. So I'd probably go Burns, Peralta, Woodruff. All right. Um, let's talk about your boy, Boyd. Matt Boyd, he has just been insane this year. I was looking into his numbers before the podcast. 13 more strikeouts today in the second start. I believe it's 23 Ks through like 11 or 30 innings. He has definitely changed up his pitch mix, pitch mix, almost not using a sinker at all. Fastball slider, heavy usage there. Are are we believing this is the Matt Boyd we're going to get the rest of the year? 
Oh, I wish I could a hundred percent say yes. I like, I, I want to, the, the, the tweet that I was going to send out is like today uh, is the day he became a Boyd man. Uh, and, <laughs> and uh, like, That's are there great. good, are there good puns for Boyd's to men like boys to men? I don't know. I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> I, I just think, Okay, after his first start against the the Blue Jays, which I thought was really exciting, his slider was absolutely dominant. I think he ended the day with 10 Ks, uh, and I was really excited and amped, but I said to myself, all right, let's hold off. Let's see what he does against a better Yankees offense. The Yankees offense has since gotten the plague uh, and and lost everyone. He was still absolutely dominant today. Uh, as you said, 13 Ks. I think he ended the day with like a – 36 oh no i think it was a 43 percent csw rate which is absolutely that's insane i oh let me double check that i think i saw that a little bit earlier when i was uh going over my note yeah 43 percent csw rate for him today that is just wild the thing that is like the one small little red flag is like he's literally just going fastball slider that's it um, now it worked today, but it also worked a lot against Greg Bird and Clint Frazier um, and Luke Voigt, you know, uh, but, you know, he still gets the Indians and the Pirates next. I just want to see if that changeup can be an adequate third pitch. And if it can, then I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in. His velo is a little bit up on that fastball, which I think helps him a lot. Um, for now, I'm just enjoying the ride, man. I think this is so much fun. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued with him. Indeed, uh, I drafted him late in a lot of drafts, and I'm a big fan of what he has to offer there. Um, let's talk Lucas Giglio, big-time prospect in, the, in that system, came over in uh, the Eaton trade, and he's had some up-and-down times here with the Sox. We saw some some things look better towards the end of last year. He worked on his his, his delivery this season, and that first start was outstanding. Um, he came out with a 36.4% CSW. Are we buying into L- uh, Lucas Giglio this season? Oh, man, I need to see a little bit more because he did it against the Royals, and that's all well and good, um, and and that's definitely exciting, but I'm just not ready to make that full-time commitment to him again. But I, the only reason I'm even entertaining it is because of all the reasons that you just said. Um, I, I do buy into guys a little bit more when I find out that they've like actually made legitimate changes in the offseason. Um, I obviously don't buy so much into the, like, yeah, I'm feeling better than I ever have in my life. Uh I think his next start is coming up against the Mariners and that's going to be the first test for him. You know what I mean? That offense is one of the most on fire in all of baseball right now. I never thought I would have to look forward to watching a Tim Beckham at bat ever again, Uh, but he's exciting to watch right now. Let's see how he does against the Mariners. And if his changeup is looking as good as it did in the first game, then okay, then we're, we can be more interested. I'm with you. I might go put some some bids out there this week to try to get, get him before he's cheap just to see what he's got because I'm very curious. We've seen this stuff be there at times, but we've also, you know, seen it blow up. Uh, let's yeah. talk about another prospect in Frankie Montas of the Athletics. Six outstanding innings in his first start. One run, three hits, six strikeouts, developed a split finger over the offseason. He had a 31.2% CSW. What's your thoughts on Frankie Montas? It's yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm actually kind of intrigued by it. I, I I love that they're kind of cutting that fastball or that four seam usage down, and I think it makes his slider a little bit effective. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit interested to see if they're finally going to be able to help him put all the pieces together. 
All right. I like that a lot. Uh, you mentioned this name earlier, a 27.8% CSW, which is a little below what your target is. At the same time, he's so darn good, and everybody mm. is in love with Chris Paddock. Tell us what you saw in that first start and what you expect going forward. I saw a guy who wanted to absolutely dominate his opponent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he he just the, – the attitude that he had on the mound was absolutely – it was like contagious. And then I saw a fastball that he was able to put wherever he wanted in an absolutely great changeup. Uh, like I said, he, he wasn't able to uh, get as many whiffs, I think, as people thought. But I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm ready to, to sit down and watch that next start pitch to pitch. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Yeah, I'm really curious there. Do you have Chris Paddock kind of as your top young guy that might be limited on innings this year? I know it's kind of a broad question there, but is he kind of your favorite in that whole group? Yeah, yeah, 100%. To me, it, in redraft leagues, he's the guy I'm trading at the all-star break to owners who might not be sure that the Padres are going to shut him down. Good call. I like that a lot. It's something people don't think about quite enough. Um, Jose Quintana, the Wiley veteran who had a very lackluster season last year, last lackluster couple seasons since coming from the White Sox to the Cubs. Um, you know, six inning, or f- four innings, Two earned, eight strikeouts, three walks in his first performance. He had a big-time spring, a 34.6% CSW in his first start, so some things were working for him. Do we do we think that we can see a Jose Quintana that resembles kind of the old Jose Quintana? Um, I, I know Nick would kill me. <laughs> he would kill me. Uh, I, think, I think it's possible. Um, I, I would be surprised to see it. I, I, I don't think he's going to be like – I think he's, you kind of, you know what you're going to get from him. Like, I think you're going to get a good amount of quality starts, which is nice for a quality start league, but you're still going to get like a mid or like a low four ERA from him. I think in terms of this first start, it wasn't really a start because he came in after Darvish. Um, And I think maybe the Rangers just kind of game planned for Darvish and then Quintana came in and just kind of tore him up a little bit. I let's, you know, before we go crazy, but I don't think he's really going to be available on your wire, but if you're an owner for him, like don't get too excited. Let's see what he does in his first real start. I like it. Yeah. So I, I was, I've been hearing some people trying to buy in on him. I just, I haven't been able to figure it out quite yet. So I was curious with that CSW, what you thought of him there. Uh, last, last guy we're going to talk about here, the maker of shoes himself, Matt Shoemaker, seven shutout innings, two walks, seven K's, Looked ridiculously good, but uh, a lot of teams look ridiculously good against the Detroit Tigers. Um, what's your thoughts on Matt Shoemaker this year? Is this for real, or is that just a bad offense he faced? Um, well, he, he did he did it again today. Um, now, with that said, he did it against the Baltimore Orioles, who yes, they are a bad offense, but they're second place in the AL East. Am I right? Come on, guys. Yes, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> go on. Um, <laughs> Now, I, I kind of had a little mini like rant about this in, in the last podcast with Nick about how I, 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 I get a little defensive when people are like, oh, I don't really care because he did it against this offense and that offense is so bad. Well, when a guy doesn't give up any earned runs and strikes out a bunch of guys, he's doing it against the teams that you want to see him doing it against. That does That's not a knock on that person. You know what I mean? Um Today, he looked fantastic. He had a 35% CSW rate today against the Orioles, and that splitter alone had a 40, excuse me, a 41% CSW rate. I, I, I'm going to wait until next week. His next start is Fenway, the home opener for the Red Sox against Chris Sale. Um, I don't really want anything to do with that. 
but if he can get through that, just giving up like three or four earned runs and get like seven or eight Ks, then like the splitter's back and, and so is Matt Shoemaker. And I'm excited to use him at least for now as a viable streaming option. I'm about to say, he seems like if he's back to what we remember him being in uh, Anaheim, he was definitely a streamable option at times. Like he was definitely that guy you could use. So very excited about that because he was not on my radar at all. I was kind of writing him off and that, that at least opened my eyes to him going forward. Um, are there any other standouts on your CSW research so far that we did not hit on before we moved to the waiver wire? Oh man, that is a a really good question. I know, it's there's, so a, funny. I know there's a ton of them, but there is, and it's so funny because I kind of since I like post them uh, every morning, it's kind of like okay, what what are the names you're thinking of? I think Hyunjin Ryu um, is is really interesting, but you, you know, once again, you don't really know what you're going to get in terms of innings from him. Uh, I have an unabashed love affair with Mike Clevenger. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I just watched that start and he obviously led the CSW rates um, for, for the day that he pitched. I'm very excited to watch him. A lesser name, uh, maybe Jake Odorizzi. I think he, he had a 34% CSW rate in his first start. Um, I'm, ex- I'm curious to see if he can build on that a little bit. I don't know if he's ever going to be uh, someone who's 100% rosterable, but he kind of gets in that Matt Shoemaker territory where when he's going up against the Tigers or he's going up against the Royals, he can be a really interesting stream. No, I like that quite a bit. A couple good names right there. Let's do a little quick run through the waiver wire. We don't have to go super deep into these guys. It could even be like a would-you-rather situation. Um, sure. You mentioned DJ LeMahieu. You already added him, and we agree with all the injuries there. He's a very good look, so we'll just kind of skip past that one. Uh, I mentioned Cattell Marte. Uh, I think you're kind of in agreement. It's not bad on a deeper league. Let's talk Jeff McNeil. This guy is hitting really, really well early in the preseason. We didn't know if there would be playing time for him. He's mm-hmm. been there. He's getting a utility role. He batted second last night. Uh, yep. There's a lot to like there. Do you do you uh, kind of recommend going out and grabbing a Jeff McNeil? Uh, yeah, I think why not? I mean, especially if he's a guy that you're just looking to fill in other injuries for. If you have an Andujar, if you have a you know uh, anyone really right now who's injured, I think he's a really nice buy because even if he falls off a little bit, just ride this wave while you can. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, say you are hurting at middle infield you've had so many, many of these injuries going through uh ben Zobers has been leading off of the cubs multi-position eligibility does he ring a bell for you at all um i think a lot of people are down on him because he's a particularly old guy but you hit the nail on the head anyone who's going to be leading off for a team like the cubs with chris bryant and anthony rizzo behind him is someone that you can stream for a week especially when he's being utilized in the proper way and that he's just plugging in holes for guys who are being sat that particular day yeah, totally agree. Uh, Jay Bruce, the Wiley veteran there up in Seattle, he's got th- he homered in three straight games, did not homer uh, since Monday night, I believe it was. But uh, we know what Jay Bruce can do. He's a very streaky hitter. He's likely available on a lot of waiver wires unless you're in a super deep league. Um, is he a guy that strikes your attention at all? Um, if I'm thinking about like Adam Dunn, then, then yeah, he's, <laughs> that he's like the kind of guy who, who strikes my attention. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that he does have a little bit more value than people think people are so, so down on him. Um, obviously because he was, he was terrible last year, but he's also hurt last year. And I think his foot isn't bothering him as much. Um, so yeah, I, 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 if here, put it this way, if it's the end of the week, if you're looking to pick up a guy this weekend, you might be able to get you one or two home runs. Bruce is not a bad ad. 
No, I like that quite a bit. Um, you know, Jorge Soler was once a big-time prospect and came up with the Cubs, got dealt to the Royals. He was banged up a lot last year, but showed some signs of life towards the end of last season. And he's, he's hitting in the middle of that Royals lineup, not the sexiest of Royals lineups, but he's hitting in the middle of it. What's your thoughts on a guy like Jorge Soler on the waiver wire? I was really interested when Salvador Perez went down because Derek Cardi, uh, you know, behind bats, obviously, um, had a really interesting tweet that, it, it is not Whit Merrifield who projects to be the best hitter overall on the Royals. It's actually Jorge Soler, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I believe that's correct. I really don't, don't hope I got that wrong. I don't want to put words in his mouth, and hopefully he'll let me know if I got that wrong. But he started the year hitting three thirteen. Like you said, there's really no one around him. But like I, I, I think he's a very good hitter, so I have no problem adding him. Yeah, he's out there on a lot of waiver wires, especially in 10 and 12 team leagues, but even in some 15 teamers and – I'd go and grab him. I think that's a really nice asset right there. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer, a guy that's always injured, but always, you know, shows potential and he's coming out playing really well to start the year. He's back mm-hmm. towards the bottom of the Rays lineup. So Yancey is not overly hyped, but, um, <laughs> yeah, but his, his boys are there taking up his spot. So he's okay. And they're winning and Blake Snell's pitching great again. So he's okay. But yeah. um, Kevin Kiermeyer, any desire to go back to that? Well, or he's like, you know what? He's burned me enough. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of I'm afraid that once again, if I add him, he will immediately go to the IL. Like, yeah. I'm just afraid that as soon as I pick him up, he, he's going to go to the IL. Uh, he's also got like Willie Adames and Mike Zunino hitting behind him. And I just I, yeah, I, I think there's other guys I'm a little bit more interested in. Thank you. I wanted you to help walk some people off the ledge. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Last but last but not least, one more, Ray. Yandi Diaz. He's been found hitting at the top of the batting order quite a bit, and he's been doing pretty darn well. And he's out there in a lot of wires, apparently, surprisingly. Apparently, they don't pay attention to Twitter. But um, if, if, if Yanni Diaz is on your waiver wire, are you grabbing him? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he's hitting – I think he's pretty consistent. He will be hitting fifth a lot moving forward, and that's, I think, the lowest he will hit in that lineup. Um, and it's not like this is coming out of nowhere. This is a guy who over 120 plate appearances last year, hit 312 with a 375 OBP and a 422 slugging. So yeah, I, 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 as I'm a, I'm a diehard Orioles fan, but I love the Tampa Bay Rays. I love watching them. I, they're my pick to, to make the ALCS. Um, I, I just think the way that that organization is run, uh, is a little parsimonious. It's a little frustrating sometimes when they let guys like Corey Dickerson and CJ Crone go for like $500,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. That's a little bit frustrating, but like uh, between that offense and then Snell, Morton, Glassnell, Yanni Chirinos' first start, who was also another interesting name who had a very high CSW rate. Yeah, what, I think what's, Jose your thought, Alvarado. What's, your, what's your thoughts Sorry, on that? Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. What's your thoughts on Yanni going seven innings looking so filthy? I mean, before he got injured last year, this is kind of what we saw. I was so frustrated because then he came back and they were like, you know what? You're only going four innings. You're only going three innings. I don't necessarily I, – I liked him a lot as well as Ryan Yarbrough because I, one of my leagues is a um, – it counts starts. You get like a weekly start limit. So those guys were gold for me because the opener was perfect and I would get a a win or whatever. Hey man, if, if they decide that they're not going to use him in that role anymore and they're just going to let him start, that is a really sneaky ad. And I'm uh, because like he didn't do it against the, the Orioles. He did it against the Astros. So it's exciting. Yeah, I really like Yanni Trinos, and I'm with you. Sorry to cut you off on your Rays love, but I'm 100% on board with you there. No, I, I love them. I've been, they, they've been like my little sleeper team the last couple of years, and with the Giants as bad as they are, 
I pretty much I'm a full raiseaholic. I even uh, last year I sent Yancey some pictures and said, which logo should I buy stuff of? So um, I, I'm a big fan of, of what the Rays got going on. Um, which one did you last go with? Question for it. I like the old school, the deal devil. Oh, way. Let's go. You and me both. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's an outstanding one. Uh, last question I want to ask you after last night's start red Chris sale, how concerned are you? Oh, that like, I, uh, do you have an hour and a half? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, okay. So here's, here's my takeaway. I'm going to make it very quick. Cause I feel like I've been talking way too much. Um, I, Last night he threw more changeups than he has since 2015. Um, you throw more changeups and breaking speed pitches when your heater isn't necessarily there yet. They would not let him go 80 pitches if he was injured. They would not let him pitch if he was injured. Based on Alex Cora's quote before the game, which is essentially we want to, we would rather have him throwing 95 in September than in March. I truly believe that they are having him save his bullets. I am refusing to let myself get too uh, anxious about it, and I'm accepting and uh, at least being happy with the fact that we got a quality start from him. The last start that I'm giving him before I kind of hit the panic button is this next one. If he goes into Fenway at the home opener and he's not showing that he can at least sit 92, 93, which is still down because he wasn't last night, then yes, there are problems. If they are doing that at their home opener, having him save his bullets – especially with their awful start, then I, I just, I don't know what to say anymore at that point. Yeah. That's what I'm waiting for. Cause I know they, they, they didn't really start anybody up on the starting rotation until the middle of March. I get all mm-hmm. this. So they're ramping them up. This is kind of their spring training in theory, but at the same time, it's like continual, continual lackluster velocity is a concern, but also at the same time, other side, they gave them a thorough, thorough um, physical before they gave them that extension. So they would have figured out what the heck was going on. So this is just a weird, weird situation. I'm with you. I want to wait on it. It's fun trolling all the Red Sox people about it. But um, yeah, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting. But do do you, uh, the the one thing though is like, if they are truly, oh gosh, if they are really, there's no lack of a better word. If they are that arrogant to think that they can just give away so many games at the beginning of the year and be set, then I have a problem with that. I mean, I... I don't necessarily wish the best for them in that case. And like, I don't, I don't have any particular Red Sox hate. I love watching Mookie Betts and JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts, but like you can't give away games and expect to just win a division. And that, that angers me. I'm a hundred percent with you. Well, that'll wrap us up on this episode, Alex. It's been a blast before we go. Let everybody know again, what you got going on at pitcher list uh, and what you got coming up. Yeah, um, so check out Pitchless every morning for the SP Roundup breakdown uh, that's coming out from Nick. And then every morning moving forward, I'm going to have the CSW rates for you guys. And then maybe a nice uh, article about some of the best pitches coming up in the next week or so, thanks to some great data from Alex Chamberlain over at Fangraphs. Uh, but yeah, I'm over at Twitter at AlexFast8. And man, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This feels like a, a small rite of passage. And you're such a legend in the industry. And I appreciate you taking the time to have me here. Well, that's flattering. I'm glad you uh, see me that way. I appreciate that because not many others do. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I, I appreciate your, that. Your name and is Justin Mason, right? Yeah. <clears throat> let, me get my, let me get my, uh, my Mark Merle <laughs> throat going here. Um, 
but um, yes, uh, one other thing that Alex forgot to mention is he does a great podcast with Nick uh, on the corner, and then oh, you yeah. get the fast pitch. You get the fast pitch over the weekend with Alex Fast. So lots of great stuff over there. But uh, man, I appreciate it. This was awesome. I'm glad to have you on, and uh, I really have a good time. So we will definitely do this again sometime. Great, thanks, man. All right, everybody. This was Bench with Bubba, episode 159, chatting up some fantasy baseball with Alex Fast of PitcherList.com. Catch you guys later.